0: Well, have you ever had a season of struggle? Anybody in here? Season of struggle, right? Um, That's kind of a silly question. We all go through it, right? Um, But what matters is how we navigate it. And and sometimes we we know very much that that what we're going through was self-inflicted. And sometimes those are easier to navigate than the times where we feel like we're doing everything right and we're really endeavoring to follow God, but we're still getting smacked in the face. Those are hard, man. We get agreement on that, right? Um, I know for me, one of the most profound, most difficult seasons of my life that I ever went through um, was when I was coming into ministry. So it's about five years ago. Um, I, I made good money. I had a good job. Um, and, and a couple things took place then. All at the same time, I was coming into ministry. I was starting um, a, a new relationship with my, my beautiful wife we're blending our family and so all of these things were taking place and all of them were good things and, and I truly believe even looking back now they were all God things right I believe God led me to this place of ministry to give up my business I believe that God led uh, me to my wife and, and wanted us to get married and to move into this next season of life together and so I was very excited about it right I was uh, head over heels in love and I'm just really pumped and and I love the kids I love the family I loved my job I would spend all this time up here and I could be a Bit of a workaholic and I'm, I'm incredibly invested in, in everything that's taking place. Um, and then as some months went by, um, financial struggle began to like set in because um, as I stepped into the church, my income went way down and then my household went way up and those are not a good combination. And, and I found myself in this situation um, where I, I wasn't necessarily doing all the things right, but I was beginning to just wonder, God, it, did you call me here? God, is this? from you? And if it is, Lord, why am I struggling so much? Why is life so difficult? And I remember being in this season, and this is just ridiculous, but I was so broke and I was so prideful that I didn't want to let my wife know what was going on. I would actually sneak out in the middle of the night and I was burning our garbage in the backyard because I could not afford the garbage bill. That's not a fun place to be in. It's incredibly embarrassing. And then um, just starting to get these letters about, um, man, you're gonna get sued and and my house is gonna get foreclosed on and, and everything was overwhelming. And I just was so pissed off. I say that, I was just ticked. I'm like, God, I'm trying to do everything. I've lived my whole life for me. And in this moment, I'm trying to be unselfish and I'm trying to be faithful to you and I'm trying to pursue you with all that I have. And I'm struggling now more than I've ever struggled. And it didn't make sense to me. And I had a choice to make. Do I, do I t- tell? Do I turn around? Do I go back to where I came from? Or do I continue to stand firm in, in what I believe God was leading me to? Did did God want me to be married? Did God want me to make these changes in my life? Did God want me to pursue this? And through all of that, I had to know that I heard his voice and I had to have enough faith to continue to to walk down the path that he had laid before me, to push past the struggle, to stand firm and, and to know and be confident that no matter what took place, God would see it through to his plan, to his purpose, maybe not my own. And so tonight's message is titled this, A Champion of Faith. A champion of faith, because sometimes in our recovery, sometimes in life, we step into things that that God has led us to, and they're much more difficult than we anticipated. Sometimes we convince ourselves that as we follow God, as we leave our old lives and our old struggles, and we begin to pursue him, that everything will work out perfectly. Well, the truth of the matter is, that's not always the truth of the matter. That, That sometimes, oftentimes, following God is actually difficult. That that oftentimes doing the right thing is much harder than, than living a life of sin or living a life that's for us. And so tonight, again, it's a champion of faith. And what I want to talk about is having enough faith to endure, having enough faith to persevere, having enough faith to to conquer the things of this world, to stay true to what God's called us to, to the life that he's called us to, to the sobriety, to the marriage, to the family, to the job, to whatever it is that he's called us to, in spite of what the enemy throws at us, in spite of the testings we may experience, that we would hold fast and hold true to what God has designed and brought us to. And so I know this, a few short weeks ago, uh, it was New Year's. And so like many people, I'm sure, um, that you resolved to do something different. And and I know this, 2022 was not a great year. And and so like many of us, we resolved that this year was going to be better. And we have an excitement. There's always an excitement about the new year. And and you may have brought yourself to a place, to a season where this was going to be your year, that that things were going to change. You were finally going to get a handle on on this or that. And now that we're a few weeks in, you're probably wondering why the heck that you resolved to do anything and you've just decided life still sucks in 2023 as well. And if that's you, I want to speak to you tonight. Or or maybe you've made changes and, and you've done well, but you're struggling with those choices and you're wondering, hey, how am I gonna do it? How am I gonna get through tomorrow? How am I gonna get through next week? No matter where you're at or what you're going through, I believe it's important to, to have faith and, and to hold on to, to God's truth, God's word, and continue to push forward and push past the things that are holding us back. And it takes faith. But what is faith? The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11:1 one through two, he lets us know, he says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And so the writer begins to reveal what, what faith is. Is it something that we can hold? Is it something that we can see? Is it something we can experience? The beginning point of faith is this, believing God's character, that God is who he says he is, that we've gotta to begin to hold on to those truths about his identity, about, about his person, about his being, about his character, and the end point is believing God's promises, that he will do what he said he will do. And I know in my own life, there's been those moments where I'm inadequate often, I struggle frequently, and, and I've gotta really not look at me, not look at what I can do, but, but look to the truth of who God is. Is God the God of the Bible? Is God the God of miracles? Is God still the same God that brought me out of addiction? And in this moment, can I trust him as much as I've trusted him then? Can I, can I experience him the same now that, that I did then? Is that the God? And we have to lean into that. And we have to have faith, again, to push forward and to pursue all that he has for us. Hebrews 11, after the writer lays out, just this definition of faith, he begins to go through this list of, of champions of faith. And he begins to talk about Noah and, and what he's done and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and all these people that, that had faith and they, they conquered the giants in their lives that, that they got through, that they persevered, that they endured. And, and we hold them up as, as these heroes of old. We hold them up as these people that, that just give us a picture of what it means to follow God and what we can experience. And and I love that because that picture gives me so much hope. But towards the end, he begins to change things just a little bit different. In Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 through 34, it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put but whole armies to fly. Man, that's, that's the faith that, that I want. This next passage, but others. Say but others. but others. But others. You know, it's easy to have faith when things are going great. It's easy to lean into God and trust him when your bank accounts flush with cash, when your bills are paid, when your kids are behaving. It's easy to have faith before you have teenagers, right? And, and it's easy to have faith before you have a knockdown drag out with your wife in the front yard in front of the neighbors, right? But, but then you get to the season. This is, but others. But others were tortured. What? What? These are champions of faith. But others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Faith doesn't always have a positive outcome. Now, here. But as we pursue God, we still receive what he promises. Since they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sold in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went away, Wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. These are champions of faith. These are heroes of old that, that held on, even in the midst of it. And as we step into these things, sometimes we convince ourselves that everything here and now will be perfect. And that's not always the case, it'll be better. Even if you experience hardships such as this, life will be better. Even as you lean in and, and, and maybe miss the mark that, that a life of faith still leads to the promise of God. That, that a life of faith, in spite of everything you may experience in a broken world, still leads to a better life. It continues, it says, they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. It says all these people, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so they would not reach perfection without us. But in spite of that, in spite of those hardships, in the end, the promise of God was still theirs. And in, in, in even though they didn't necessarily reach or, or experience it now, while they were living, it doesn't mean that, that God was not good, that that God was a liar, that that we should call his character into question, that that sometimes we go through so much and we think everything should be so right. But even through all of that, they experienced the joy of salvation. They they experienced the the presence of the Holy Spirit, the leading, the, the life, the blood of Jesus. And the same is true for us, that every day may not be perfect, but a day in pursuit of him, a day that's, that's marked by faith. One day in that life is better than 10,000 in the other. That There's not a moment of hardship I've experienced in pursuing God where, where I felt like he'd abandoned me that I would ever exchange for the life that I used to live. And as I came into ministry and I had one of the worst years of my life, I would do it over and over and over again to continue to walk out what he has for me now that it's led to something so much better, that I experienced so much more. And so I wanna encourage you not to be distracted by the broken, sinful world we live in. Don't let it pull you away from the calling and leading of God. And in chapter 12, he begins to to transition and show us that, that these were the champions of faith. If this is the example we have, what should we do next? And in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, therefore, say, therefore. therefore. Anytime you see therefore, you should pause and see what it's there for. And that's where you go back and you read Hebrews 11, right? And you say, if this is what happened, therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. He begins to, to liken our walk as a race. And I don't know about you. I, I've ran some. My kids, they love the, the cross-country nonsense. Um, they're mentally ill or something. Um, but I, I've ran with them. And it, it takes a lot out of you, right? To, to really push and to really run. And, and I know this. With each passing year, it's more difficult for me to get anywhere fast. But, but I know this, the less weight I have on my body, right, when my diet's right and I've shed the extra pounds, it's a little easier to go a little farther, right? Right? The, 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 the less that's there, the less that we have holding us back or weighing us down, the easier it is to run that race. The easier it is to go far. far, far I mean, that's hick right there. Um, <laughs> I had uh, a... <laughs> That's a family, extended family. And they were into the, the stock car racing. We talk about redneck. And uh, you know what I learned? And the less weight on that car, faster it goes. Big motor, right? Hood, doors, who needs that, right? Man, if you want to get down the track quick, man, strip it out. Strip it out. And so what we do is like when we're running our race, which is life, we allow these things to, to weigh us down. Sin, disobedience, lies from the enemy, and we need to begin to strip that off, that, that we take this example of the, of the champions of faith, and we strip off the things that hold us back, to run the race that God has for us. But how do we do that? How do we persevere? How do we maintain faith and all of that? And he says this in verse 2, he says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, yeah. the champion. Say the champion. Yeah. The the champion, when you you hear the word champion, that's like the goat, right? Greatest of all time. That that if we want to learn how to do this, we look to the one that that did it best, right? The the number one, which is Jesus. That that he he was the greatest, that he had it together. He ran his race better than any of us, right? Sin-free, mistake-free, weight-free, pursuing God's plan and purpose to the very end. It says we do this, By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, that begins this work and perfects our faith. That he initiates the faith that we have for a better life. That because of Jesus, there was a moment in my life in addiction that I could look to something better. Because of Jesus, I knew that my life didn't have to remain this way. That there's been struggles in my marriage where Janelle's doing all the wrong things. I'm such a perfect husband. but I know this, that if I keep my eyes on Jesus, he'll eventually speak to her and help her to see things my way, right? (laughs) Because of Jesus, I know my wife will forgive me later and and we'll still sleep in the same bed tonight. (laughs) The champion (laughs) who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And point number one is this. When we're talking about being a champion of faith, when we're talking about enduring, persevering, pushing past all all the brokenness and all the garbage in our lives and in this world, point number one is this. A steady focus helps us endure. A steady focus. Eyes on Jesus, right? Knowing that he's the champion, that he's the GOAT, he's the greatest, he's the one that can lead us to something better, that that we don't allow ourselves to be distracted by things of this world, That, that we continue to push forward. A steady focus helps us endure. The writer encourages further to examine and reflect on what Jesus has done. He says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. This is touching my face. There we go. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And so when we look at Hebrews, it's, it's a letter, and we don't know who wrote it, but we know our audience, and we know this about them, that they were in a season of struggle, that they were in a season where they were being um, just attacked for their beliefs attacked for what they were doing, they were becoming weary, that they were in this, this moment, this decision of, do I give up? Do I go back to where I came? And so in this moment, there's an encouragement that, that think about Jesus, focus on him, think about all that he's endured and, and what he's done for you. Begin, begin to allow that to be the lens that you look at your life through that we have to do this, that we have to reconcile. Is, is there a God? Was there a Jesus? Did, did he do these things for us? Did he, did he live and die so that I could be set free? That we have to begin to stand firm in our faith, remain focused on what he's done, a steady focus. It helps us to endure the hardships, the trials, the difficulties of life, you're going to step out of here. You're going to want to do the right thing. And you're going to face things and moments in your life, in your marriage, with your children, with your job, that, that are going to cause you to want to throw in the towel, to give up. And, and if, you, if you've lost sight of what he's called you to, maybe you stopped coming and you've you've given up the fellowship right that you're no longer in the presence of other believers you're you're not reading your word that you've been so distracted with yellowstone that that you haven't even taken a single day this week to just pray and give thanks to god and and you've lost sight of all of that you have no chance that that you can't make it because you're going to face it out there it's inevitable Right? No, no amount of faith will keep you from a broken world trying to kick you in the teeth. But, but we don't have to fall victim to it. That we can stay focused. We can run our race. We can persevere if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Again, the champion, the one who did it. You know, our word, the Bible tells us that, that he experienced all that we experience. And we can... Take heart because he's overcome the things of the world and and we remain focused on him and and we can find success too. Again, a steady focus. A focus on on God, the things that he's promised, his character, it'll allow us to endure. And so the key to endurance is Jesus. The the key to endurance is, is remaining focused on the cross and all that he's done for us. As the writer continues, Hebrews 12, five through six, and it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. It's kind of an odd transition, right? We're, we're talking about faith. We're talking about running a race. We're talking about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And then he transitions to this place in don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when He corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He punishes each one He accepts as His child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as His own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by His father? That is, we begin to, to run our race. I don't know about you, but there's been times I've gotten off track in things that I've done, and, and when I've done that, uh, it's, it's come with consequences, right? Uh, I, I got into mountain biking last year, as many of you know, and I still have this crippled hand because of it. Um, I'm not done yet. You know, as soon as my wife and my doctor let me get back on my bike, I'm going to be right back out there again, um, but there, there was times where I'm running that, that I got off the trail, um, not when I broke everything, That was a different time. But there, there was times, there was times where I, I deviated and maybe went down an embankment or flipped off my bike and, and things happened, right? There was a consequence to the deviation. But the path was clear, it was set before me. And if I failed to, to remain on it, that, that things happened. Well, the same is true in our life. The, the God's called us to run our race, to do so with endurance, to remain focused on Jesus. But we're broken people, we're sinful people. Even the best among us choose to do things selfishly from time to time and when we do so, sometimes we experience the discipline of God and sometimes being a champion of faith means that we accept that discipline and continue to push forward, I have um, I have six kids, right? I have um, we have four teenagers now. I don't even know. Um, we got a lot of kids, and several of them are teenagers. And um, I really hate teenagers. I love my children, but teenagers are so so difficult, right? And uh, my daughter, I'm gonna pick on her a little bit. Um, she's had some moments lately where she's really just tried me and tested me. And, and she has a choice. And one of these things, she's going to really kill me for this, but it's okay. Um, she decided that she was going to date outside of uh, her mother's and I's direction and guidance. And, and it's like a no-go in our house. Nobody's touching my little girl. And um, it's, just, it's just not a thing that's going to take place. And, and so she's like, well, I know better than mom and dad. I'm going to do this in secret. And I tried to tell her, it's like, it's a small town. Me and your mom know like everybody. Like I mean, you can't you can't hide from us. Somebody's going to say something and sure enough somebody said something and, and so we corrected her. Um, said, you can't do this. And, and there was tears and hugs and, and, you know, all of this, and there was consequences. And, and we thought that she got it. And then she chose once again um, to kind of do her own thing. And yeah, last, last Friday, I just, she, she's in this after school thing and she's supposed to come right home or right to the church. And she calls here and we come pick her up. And, um, and I just felt like I should go to the school, right? You know, sometimes God just leads you into things. And so I show up at the school and to get her. And this boy that we've had a conversation about is once again touching my daughter. Like he's, he's in close proximity to her and I don't know what's going on. Um, and this kid, we, we lock eyes just for a moment before he gets up and sprints and hides from me. Um... <laughs> which is probably great because then I didn't have to go to jail and I didn't have to get fired um, for, for beating a minor. Um, but again, we, we come to this, this place where it's like, honey, we, we've talked about this and, and this, this is the life that I have for you. You may not agree that it's best, but, but it is best and you may not see all the things that I see, but I'm just telling you that, that, that this, this is what's going to lead you to your best life and, and you need to listen to me. And so she has another choice, like we've arrived at that place again right? Is she going to listen? There's consequences. And she can go down the road and she can choose to go left when I said to go right. And and there's going to be a discipline there. And you know why? Because I love my daughter, right? I I care about her. I want want her to experience so many great things in in such a great way. And and through all of that, she may not always agree with my decisions. She may not always see it from the get-go but that doesn't mean I'm wrong. And the same is true with God, that there's things that he's called us to when we're running our race, when we're pushing forward. And it may be difficult. We may not see why, why God, why this? And, and we get to do the same exact thing that, that our teenagers get to do. We can go left when he said to go right. But just like me as a loving father, corrects my daughter, and and disciplines her, or sometimes allows her just enough rope to hang herself with, guess what? God does the same. God God allows us to live our lives. God corrects us when we're wrong, and sometimes we experience his discipline. It says, as you endure this discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children, that's significant because outside of God, we're, we're orphans, right? We're, we're not children of God, but he's called us into his family, heirs of Christ. And if we are going to experience that, if we're going to be a part of that, then we're going to be treated as his children. Remember that God is treating you as his children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? And then he goes on and says, if God doesn't discipline you, and he, as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. You know, a lack of fatherly discipline or possibly the lack of hardship, it can be a sign of Ill- illegitimacy that, that sometimes, again, we, we convince ourselves that coming into the church, that coming into faith means that we're not going to experience any of the bad things. And, and I know this, I've heard it so much, and I've been guilty of it too, looking at people who live their life all wrong and, and wondering, why are they not going through anything? Why are they not experiencing hardships? Why does my life suck and theirs look so great? Well, sometimes, sometimes God's perfecting our faith, right? Sometimes God's growing us. And, and, and sometimes, because we are a part of his family, the enemy attacks us more, right? He wants to distract us. Doesn't need to distract the one who's already lost. And so we experience different things. We experience the discipline of, of God where others outside of, of the church may not. I and mean, it continues It's a sense we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always, say always, always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. It, it's, it's a discipline and it's a correction that, that sometimes we face in our hardships that's, that's leading us to what's better. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Experiencing something unpleasant doesn't mean necessarily we're being punished by God or that abandoned by him. But maybe, maybe what's happened, maybe it's happened because you're stupid, Right? You guys thought it was going to be a real sentimental moment, didn't you? Sometimes bad things happen because you, you've just decided to be ignorant and make moronic decisions, and you're, you're kind of following God sometimes on Sunday or Monday, and then on Tuesday, you go act like an idiot, and then you blame God, and you're like, well, I'm going to church. Why is things so bad? Because you're a moron, and, and you're not fully submitting to God. So sometimes it's that, right? Sometimes it's that. Sometimes... Sometimes God allows us to experience things so that we can be corrected, right? So, sometimes God allows us to get into a position and a situation and, and allows us to be tested. We see that in the New Testament with Peter, right? <laughs> Jesus clearly states to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you and, and I'm, I'm allowing it, right? Jesus says, I'm allowing you to be tested so your faith can grow, so you can endure. And, then, and sometimes it's just the correction of God that, that we, we go forward we think we know what's best and God corrects us like a loving father will, like a loving father does. And point number two is this, correction is a sign of God's love. That as you're being faithful, if you're, if you're endeavoring to endure in life, that if you're coming against correction, don't, don't take it as a sign that, that God doesn't love you, that God's forsaking you, that God's abandoning you. Take it as for what it is, that God loves you, that, that you're his child, that you've been drawn into the family, that you're accepted as one of his own. And because of that, you may experience things that that lost people will never experience, that you may experience hardships as you're being faithful that you don't understand, but it's not a reason to give up. It's not a reason to throw in the towel. It's a reason to rejoice because absence of discipline from God is a sign of illegitimacy. But we want to be treated as one of his own. We want to be treated as one of his own. Again, point number two is this. Correction is a sign of God's love. As the writer continues, um, Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, and it says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. So as you're, you're running your race, right, as you're pushing forward, as you're endeavoring to, to endure, Right, take all of this in. Rejoice in God's discipline. Keep your eyes on the champion of faith. Take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet. So, say so. So that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. You know, at the beginning of this, the writer of Hebrews, I love it. You know, he said, therefore... Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, right? That that we look back on those that have already done it. We look at Jesus, right? The champion of faith as our example to push forward. And as he's closing out his point here, he says, so take grip. With your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path. For your feet, so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong, so that, that we can be for others what somebody else was for us, right? That there's people in my life that I looked at and, and they walked things out in a way that, that created a desire in my life. I, I wanna be a man like he's a man. I know early on in the church, there was, there's steadfast men, right? That, that were in a different season of life than me. They'd walked out so many things and, and I remember early on, probably year 2 in the church looking at one of them and just thinking i want i want what he has I, I, wanna, I wanna love God in that way. I wanna pursue him in that way, right? And, and now that I'm in a different season and even though I've still got things going on, I wanna be that for somebody else, right? I wanna be that for my children. I wanna be that for, for the next generation, for, for those that are younger or maybe those that have been lost or, or whatever, right? I wanna, I wanna mark out my path so that people can, can lead and to follow and, and to do so boldly and courageously, but faithfully. And so point number three is this you are fighting for more than just yourself. You've got to remember you're fighting for more than just yourself, that that if you want to be a champion of faith, if you want to endure, remember, you're not just fighting for you. You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your spouse. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your neighbor. You're fighting for those that that see you day in and day out. And the way that you live out your life, it matters. The way you walk out your faith, it matters. It matters. What you do can encourage or it can distract. And I don't know about you, but, but I'm, I'm encouraged when I know that people look to me. That, that I wanna, it encourages me to, to be more faithful. It encourages me to, to live right. Because I don't wanna lead anybody astray. And so there's times where, where I wanna give up. But what would that mean to my kids? There's times that, Maybe I want to throw in the towel, but what would that mean to my wife? That there's times that that God simply uses the people around me as a reminder that there's eyes on you, that that I've called you to something great, and there's these people that that have helped giving you an example, being an example to the people around you. And so sometimes, again, being a champion of faith means that we remember that we're fighting for more than just ourselves. We must not live with only our own survival in mind. As I close one last passage, it's Hebrews 10, 35 through 36. And it says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you, patient endurance, say patient endurance. You know, the thing about patience is it really, really sucks, right? It's that long suffering, I hate being patient, I want immediate results. But immediate results rarely give us the fruit that God has for us in our lives. Patient endurance is what you need now. So, say so, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he's promised. That we can experience every bit of what God says to be true. We can trust his character. We can trust his word. If we're faithful, God's faithful. God's faithful even when we're not faithful. And we just continue to have to, we have to continue to lean into him, to trust him, and then we'll experience all that he's promised. In this life, or on the other side of the cross, that, that God has something better for us. And being a champion of faith means pushing forward when everything says give up. Being a champion of faith means not giving up when everyone else wonders why you're still going. Being a champion of faith means keeping our eyes on Jesus, the goat, and the one who initiates and perfects our faith, and not giving up in spite of what everyone else thinks. The to recap tonight, point number one is this, a steady focus helps us endure. A steady focus, eyes on Jesus. Don't give up what he's given you, right? The, the people, the church, the community, his word, a steady focus on all of those things allows us to endure. Number two, correction is a sign of God's love that you'll experience things in life, in this race as you push forward. And just remember that correction is not a sign of, of God being angry at you, disappointed in you, It's just a sign of his love. And number three, remember you're fighting for more than just yourself. There's others that look to you, whether you want them to or not. There's others that are counting on you, whether you want them to or not. But be encouraged by that. Allow it to be something that that causes you to be steadfast and focused on the things of God. Our action steps, number one, take time to reflect on Jesus And what he's done for you. There's so many times where I want to give up and and I look back to all that he's brought me through. Every time he's been faithful, every time he's been good. And those things bring me such joy. Those things give me such encouragement because if God was good then, God's going to be good now, right? Number two, lean into correction and difficulty. Lean into it. Look for the lesson that you can walk away with? If you're going through something, what can you learn from it? Does God have something for you? Are you just an idiot? Whatever it is, may it look for the lesson in it. Number three, remind yourself that there are people looking to you for what to do next. Remind yourself that there's eyes on you. It's amazed me how many people, just simply of just changes in my life have decided to do something different. I never had a conversation with them. I didn't even know they were paying attention, but they've been encouraged. Random message. It's amazing what you experience when you're faithful to God. And it's amazing how God uses you even when you don't know it. Allow that to be something that encourages you. And with all of this, you know, we started with that point number one is uh, a steady focus. Is how we endure a steady focus on Jesus. Well, that, that steady focus, that, that means that that he has to be at the center of everything, right? That, that we have to be his children, right? If, I, if we wanna experience God's love, we, we don't wanna be illegitimate. We wanna be part of the family of faith. And so everything we've talked about tonight, it's centered on that, that one decision and that's surrendering to him. And so tonight, if you're in here, and, and I get that you may not even believe a word of what I've said, but I wanna encourage you that if, if God's been pressing your heart touching you, speaking to you, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. That's what all of this is about. That's how all of this functions and, and works. It's the only thing that can give any of us freedom from sin and, and allow us to experience the joy that he has awaiting us. And so if, if you're in here and you've never done that, here in just a moment, we're gonna close out our service and we're gonna have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can make the greatest decision you've ever made. And that's the decision to follow Jesus, to accept him as your Lord and and Savior, to allow him to to do a work inside you, to make you right before God. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to to lean into it. And maybe you're in here and you've done that before, but you've gotten off track, right? You, You begin to live for yourself. You begin to live for the world. You didn't have the steady focus you should have. And and rather than enduring, you, you gave up. And you're wondering now in this moment, can I, can I get back in the race? Can, can I pursue him again? Will he welcome me back? Have I messed it up? You didn't mess anything up. And he'll always welcome you back. And so if you're in here tonight and, and you need to recommit, you need to, to step back up and say, God, I want to do it right this time. We, we have the same offer for you. We wanna encourage you here in just a moment to, to come down front and allow us to pray with you and, and for you and, and help lead you back to the Father, help you lead you back to Jesus. And then maybe you're in here and there's just something in your life that, that you've been holding on to that's so unhealthy. And you know that, that God wants you to let it go and he's just been speaking to you about it tonight and, and you realize it's time I want to encourage you to come down and get one of our white chips. There's nothing significant about them. It's just a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we get up out of faith and when we come down here, knowing that God's gonna move. And so I want to encourage you to come pick up one of our white chips. And it just symbolizes that, that you've, you've got the faith that God's gonna handle it, that, that God's gonna deal with it. And you're just ready to, to hand it all over to him. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. You've been going through it. Weeks, the year's only a few weeks old, but it's been rough already. You just want somebody to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white ship, or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front. And if everybody would, if you'd stand as we close in worship.